Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. Today, we are going to bust myths and clarify so many facts that your head will be spinning, I promise, because I have with me today Dr. Pamela Douglas. Dr. Douglas, welcome to the show. Hello, Marie. It's a great pleasure to be here with you, and you're very welcome to call me Pam. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Friends, if you have been following what's gone on very much here in the United States, and apparently in Australia where she is, there has been sort of this epidemic, if you will, of these babies with tongue ties and parents wishing to have the tongue tie released and going for phrenotomy or phrenectomy. Those are procedures that we'll explain a little bit during the show. But what I would really like for you to be able to do is in this show to really understand a different point of view that Dr. Douglas has put together in a very, very well-crafted way through several formal articles. She has been published in what I would consider to be some very high-level journals, for example, Early Human Development. Uh, She also has written essays and in other uh, respects has absolutely been on the publishing front for sorting out what's truth, what's fact, and what's yet to be determined. She is a physician and the medical director of the Possums Clinic. So let's start with, first of all, you're not real keen on the diagnoses of tongue tie, upper lip tie, and posterior tongue tie. Uh, start wherever you wish, but okay. clue us <laughs> because many of us believe that those are authentic diagnoses, and you say, no, actually, they're probably not. Well, Marie, I should clarify right up front that... Um what I would call a classic tongue tie um, certainly needs prompt phrenotomy. Um, and as you'd be aware, we missed um, classic tongue ties for decades. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And, uh, you know, and so for those mother-baby pairs, breastfeeding was often irretrievable. Um, and, and so um, it's, it's really important um, right up front to, to, to state that um, one of the, I would argue, one of the great gifts to us of the current focus on tongue tie has been that classic tongue ties are no longer missed and thank heavens for that. Mm, yes, um, yes. So, so that's, you know, that's, that's really important um, for me to clarify right at the start. Could you but back then, up for a moment and yep, explain... Yep. Explain to uh, the parents as well as maybe the professionals that are listening, how would you characterize a classic tongue tie? 
Well, this this does bring us to the whole fraught area of definitions. And at the moment, there's terrible um, yes. confusion about definitions, which is why the existing research um, is so unreliable. Mm-hmm. Um, so given that um, there's a lack of consensus and clarity around definitions, I'll tell you what I mean when I'm talking about a classic tongue tie. Since you're that's, the only guest today, Willis. Yeah, that's that, right, that's right. <laughs> we kind of got to go with your idea here. Yeah. <laughs> so, look, I won't get into the, the, um, the classification systems that I'm no, no. leaning on there, but, but um, a classic tongue tie is an, a membrane that's, that's visible under the tongue that runs along the undersurface of the tongue variably and certainly has variable insertions on the floor of the mouth or indeed the, um, the lower um, uh, alveolar ridge, the lower gum. Um, if that anterior membrane is actually significantly constraining the movement of the tongue, I would call that a classic tongue tie. I would. Say. It is, yeah, great. It, it is possible to have an anterior membrane that actually is elastic and that's it's visible but but actually doesn't constrain the movement of the tongue in any you know in any um, significant or functional way and so then I would argue that's not a tongue tie we're looking at that's that's an anterior membrane um, so so speaking broadly that would be my um, way of making sense of classic tongue tie, yes, and actually, yes. um, you know, in in two thousand and five, when Mary Renfrew and her team oh, yes. mm-hmm. published their um, their uh, quite seminal study, really around tongue tie, you look at the images of what they were diagnosing as tongue tie was the classic tongue tie. That was an important study that showed Absolutely. the benefits of phrenotomy for classic tongue tie. For those um, of you who might not be familiar, Mary Renfrew and her <coughs> colleagues, uh, one of her colleagues is Michael Woolridge, whom you might have heard of, but uh, there is an entire team there that I respect very highly. Uh, they're in England and they have been doing work since, oh dear, probably uh, decades. Uh, these are very, very highly respected uh, researchers for whom I think we all should uh really understand when they publish something, it's really good. Yes. Yeah. Yes, okay. that's right. So you're, so, in fa- you're in favor of a phrenotomy for the classic tongue tie. Yes? That's right. That's right. And I think because a simple scissors phrenotomy actually is of such minimal risk with yes. perhaps just, you know, a couple of drops of blood, um, I think... For the baby, it's more being restrained that's that's upsetting for that brief period of time than yes, than yes. any pain. I err on the side of um, scissors phrenotomy for anterior membranes. If there's doubt there, then it seems to me um, it's it's best to snip that that anterior f- membrane, even as we then um, move into our work with with fit and hold. Um, Fortunately, one of, as I was saying, one of the great 
um, benefits of the current focus on tongue tie has been that, you know, classic tongue ties are now being picked up very early on and, yes. um, and rightly so. But, um, but of course, as, as you were saying, Marie, I, I um, stand by the, the rather controversial position at the moment um, of, of, of saying that um, the diagnoses of posterior tongue tie and upper lip tie are not helpful to us, um, mm. either as health professionals or as breastfeeding women. And, um, and I'd like to just tell you a little bit, if I may, of my own journey, um, both professionally and, and perhaps personally, um, uh, over the years to reach this point where I'm, I'm um, really um, uh, going against the tide, but, but um, feel Funny as a matter of integrity, say. I need, I need <laughs> to, um, as a matter of integrity, I need, you know, and, and as a matter of, um, uh, if you like, um, my commitment to um, the support of, of breastfeeding for our women. Um, I, I need to, to stand by this position publicly. Funny that you should say that because I was about to say, do you realize that hardly anybody on the planet is going to agree with you? How, like, <laughs> well, how did you become so committed to this? And indeed, it sounds like you do have uh, some history here that has really propelled you forward. I'm, I'm all ears. How, how did this happen? Yes. Well, fortunately, I know I'm not the only person on the planet. <laughs> um, but um, um, there's been a great deal of confusion. And, um, and um, let, let, me, let me tell you how I've reached, you know, come, come to this position. Um, I suppose, Marie, I should probably just let your listeners know that... Um, I first became a, a GP, a, a general practitioner, so a, a family doctor, if you like, in um, uh -huh. 1987, which um, long time ago now, <laughs> um, and um, and had my first baby, um, my daughter, who who lives in New York now with her family, with her children, um, in 1990, and uh, in fact. I was one of those mums who had breastfeeding problems mm. um, and, you know, there I was, a GP, young mum, really wanting to breastfeed and uh, it, was, it was really tough. And it was only then that I learnt of the existence of lactation consultants, actually. Mm -hmm. So um, lactation consultancy was a new profession in 1990. Um, and, uh, and I was terribly blessed to have the, the um, pioneering Virginia Thorley here in my oh, hometown of Brisbane. And yes, so it was yes, Virginia yes. who helped me through that. Um, and, uh, and really then um, I began a lifetime um, passion for um, supporting breastfeeding. Um, in 1992, I had my son my second child, and uh, actually I breastfed both of them till they turned three. So you'll see there was an overlap there. So oh, I, uh -huh. I um, mm -hmm. did some uh, tandem, tandem nursing. Breastfed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then in 1994, I, I um, 
qualified here in Australia as an international board certified lactation consultant. Um, you know, um, by the mid 1990s, the, the the epidemic of the diagnosis of gastroesophageal reflux disease oh, in babies yes. was really I, taking hold yes, yes, in Australia. Yes, yes. It had really begun in the late 80s. But Marie, um, it started in Brisbane. Um, mm. it, it actually mm. started in Brisbane um, and, and spread uh, through the states of Australia and then actually became a diagnosis that was... was uh, Really, very, very widespread, and and uh, there's still still residual confusion about this. I would um, say here in the U.S., it was about the mid 1990s that I remember that being suddenly what was on the tip of everybody's tongue. No pun yeah, intended yeah, here. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. And and whilst it's not to say that there aren't um, some babies, usually older babies, who will suffer from a true gastroesophageal reflux disease, it's widely accepted and certainly very clear in the research. That, um, that this is not a relevant diagnosis to mm-hmm. um, babies mm-hmm. in the first months of life. But, but what was really clear to me in the mid-90s was that babies with breastfeeding difficulty, with undiagnosed, unmanaged breastfeeding problems, um, in which the baby was showing signs like the back arching at the breast, the fussing at the breast, um, I call this the dialing up breast you know um we only have 30 uh, seconds left uh okay anyway so so became very involved in that from a research point of view and then of course the the overdiagnosis of allergy in our babies in the first months of life from a research point of view so in fact i'd become i'd been publishing in in this this whole area of undiagnosed unmanaged breastfeeding problems that were being inappropriately medicalized and then of course um have have been um, tracking the rise of the diagnosis of posterior tongue tie and upper lip tie, and involved in research around this as well. So, so that's a kind of potted history, I guess. Um, uh, indeed, so. But now we all understand why <coughs> you are so passionate about this. And uh, I might add, it's not as though she just fell off the turnip truck l- yesterday, as we like to say here in the U.S. Uh, but hey, everybody, don't go away. We will be right back with all of her expertise right after this trip break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here today with Dr. Pamela Douglas, and she is talking to us about tongue tie. And just before we went to break, she was telling us a little bit about her passion for this topic and the fact that she does not find diagnoses such as uh, upper lip tie or posterior tongue tie (coughs) useful. However, I didn't really press her on why so? Why, why, Pam, do you think that that is uh, not a useful diagnosis, either one? Well, let's start with the, the diagnosis of the posterior tongue tie, okay. which, which um, first um, arose 2004. Um, and actually, it, it arose at a time when um, it, so it came, came out of New York and arose at a time when um, in that place anyway, the bubs were being um, asked to breastfeed with their uh, forearms and wrists crossed between the baby's body and the mum's body, which of course immediately compromises what I call the fit and hold. I use that language of fit and hold um, instead of latch and positioning. I just find it a bit more sort of friendly and, and... easy to use when I'm working with with women. Um, So the the diagnosis of posterior tongue tie arose in a context where um, there there were um, problematic fit and hold strategies being put in place. Um, So subsequently, of course, there have been major advances in fit and hold, all that wonderful work by our breastfeeding pioneers around um, uh, 
the mammalian reflexes, oh, um, baby-led mm-hmm. breastfeeding. Oh, yes, um, yes, that's, yes. All, that's all really come to the fore since. But we need to understand that <clears throat> what was the, the kind of signs that the baby was showing that were being attributed to posterior tongue tie um, were equally explained, actually, by the problems that arose out of that kind of fit and hold. So um, I suppose some... You know, as as this diagnosis really took hold here in Australia, I, I was um, exploring it with an open mind. But at the same time, um, really starting to um, become involved in the ultrasound studies that um, ah. were emerging mm-hmm. around the biomechanics of infant suck. And, uh, and then, of course, developing up my own clinical response and uh, what I would say is that um, this whole area of fit and hold still remains um, an area of, of pioneering clinical work and research. So despite the major advances around um, uh, the mammalian reflexes that we're wanting to support in our babies and and uh, mothers, um, actually, we know that still our fit and whole strategies are not um, improving breastfeeding outcomes at this time. So I have focused very much on what happens around fit and hold, have looked at the ultrasound studies coming out, have an active collaboration with the Human Lactation Research Group at the University of Western Australia, which which leads the world in, in Absolutely. Yeah, I would argue and in terms of bio- yes, biomechanics yes. of infants up through breastfeeding. And, and has and, led the world for a long time. I assume that you're talking about the uh, Donna Gettys, yeah, uh, uh, right. Peter Hartman, that whole group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's Leah right. So Donna, stuff. That's yeah. it. So Donna yeah, and I have yeah. a paper that's under review that really rewrites the the biomechanics of infant suck. So it's a practice based interpretation of the ultrasound studies that Donna's been doing over the years. And uh, in 2016, she brought out a, a kind of review of, of what she understood was emerging from the ultrasound studies about infant suck. And, uh, and we've then worked together um, interpreting that through my, my clinical experience and, and propose a new model, the Gestalt model of infant suck. Sorry, and I would I would just like to uh, dangle a little carrot for our listeners here, which is I have already invited Dr. Pam Douglas back to talk more about that. So trust me, uh, she's giving you just the tip of the iceberg here today. Thanks, Marie. <laughs> so, so when we look in, and this is the other thing, of course, there's just no baseline work that looks at what normal. Um, mm. variations there are in infant oral connective tissue. And infant mm. oral connective tissue is, is as variable as the colour of our skin, the, you know, the, the colour of our eyes, this glorious diversity of human anatomy. And we see that reflected in um, the oral connective tissues. Now, we certainly want to be releasing that classic tongue tie, but beyond that, I would now argue very strongly that the lovely range of normal anatomic variation in infants' mouths is being misdiagnosed, is being diagnosed as, a, as a, an abnormality because we're so desperate to help breastfeeding women. Sure. 
Sure. Um, but the problem is that if we start moving in with our deep scissors or laser uh, phrenotomies here, then we are risking um, unexpected outcomes. And in my clinic, I see lots of little ones who have worsened um, breastfeeding problems and oral aversions in particular after their laser phrenotomies um, or indeed the deep, deep scissor uh, phrenotomies. And, and in the meantime, the underlying problems of fit and hold are not being addressed. Addressed, um, sure. So, you know, we had a big study come out in Australia um, uh, just last year that showed that one of the most commonly used approaches to fit and hold, and that's the shaping of the breast with hand on the back of the baby's neck and head, um, yes. helping the baby on to the squeezed um, breast tissue actually worsens nipple pain fourfold. Really? So this just, it does. So this just points oh. to this whole blind spot that exists around um, breast, clinical breastfeeding research, of course, and, and the lack of real uh, investment, research money investment, um, indeed health system investment in understanding how to support women as they fit these little bubbies into their own body across our glorious anatomic diversities. So, so uh, you know, in fact, a whole range of absolutely normal um, variation of um, frenula under the tongue um, Pam, are now being diagnosed as posterior tongue tie. Help us to get a little perspective here because you yep. talk about the variations that I do agree with you. Uh, yep. My hair, my fingers, my toenails, my whatever are different even than my siblings. So, yes. so yes, we, there are a lot of variations and you're saying that it's the same thing with the oral uh, uh, structures as well. But we need a little perspective then. Yes. Uh, there are several different studies that talk about the incidence or the percentage of babies that have a, what you and I might call a classic tongue tie. I am thinking that that number is not agreed upon by all researchers, but that's pretty small. Is that your understanding? Yes. So, yes. So, Mary Renfrew's group in that study we talked about in 2005 estimated 3 to 4%, but they also acknowledged that there was definitional, definitional confusion even back then. And uh -huh. so, they said it was just an estimate. And then, all the research from 2005 has been terribly confused because there's no clarity around the concept of um, posterior tongue tie. And it's, it's conflated, if you like, with ah. classic tongue tie. Um, in fact, as you were saying, Marie, uh, um, families are, are typically told now um, there's no such thing as as just an anterior tongue tie behind an anterior tongue tie, there's always a posterior tongue tie. So um, this this confusion around definition really means that all the research since 2005 is terribly compromised. It's very weak methodologically. Mm -hmm. And uh, and in fact, there, there have been three systematic reviews now, including oh, yes. the latest oh, Cochrane yes. review that, yes. that say mm -hmm. that there's only weak evidence to demonstrate the benefit of phrenotomy. Now, from my point of view, this is sad because I'd argue due to the confusion around definitions, the potential benefit of phrenotomy for a classic tongue tie is being underestimated 
And then, of course, there's an overestimate of the benefit of a posterior tongue tie, which I would argue is not a useful diagnosis um, to our breastfeeding families. Pam, when you said that uh, about 4% of babies have classic tongue ties, okay, let's say that that number is too small. Let's say it's twice that. Let's say that it's 8%, which, by the way, I've never read. But it seems to me that way, way more than 8% or 10% are being uh, treated for tongue ties. So So what that tells me is that we're having a lot of kids treated when, in fact, maybe they really don't have a real tongue tie. Well, that's right, Marie. In fact, I can give you some figures on this because there's been a new study that's come out by Walsh and uh, his team um, Mm. that shows there's been, are you ready for this, an 866% increase in the diagnosis of, you know, in in, in phrenotomy rates actually in the United States um, between 97, 1997 and 2012. Um, There's also been an exponential increase in um, Canada documented and, uh, and, I'm part of the Australian Collaboration for Infant Oral Research and we have a paper in press that shows um, similar exponential increases in the rate of phrenotomy in Australia. But this data that we've got only captures Medicare. It only captures what's done by doctors, Uh whereas most of the phrenotomies in Australia, I would suppose, are now being performed by dentists. Uh, yeah. um, typically using laser. So we've got, this is a pattern that's absolutely typical of overtreatment. The epidemiologists, you know, um, will say, um, you don't need to be an epidemiologist actually to, to, to get that this is, this is typical of overtreatment. Yeah, I just know that I, I really do believe that, that human beings do have things that need to be fixed. I do believe that. Yeah. Uh, but I also think that when the research says 4%, and even if that is grossly wrong, it's still just a very tiny percentage that are affected. And yet it seems to me that every time I turn around, some baby is getting treated for the tongue tie. And I just don't believe that there are, I don't know what what percentage are actually treated. But when you say that there's an 866% increase that's it. in the that's treatment, it. That's it. that is that's just it. mind-boggling. Hey, everybody, yeah. do yeah. not go away. Yeah. When we come back, I am going to ask Dr. Pamela Douglas to talk to us more about that classic tongue tie. And if if it's really what she says it is, then when do we treat? How do we treat? What is the upside, the downside? And you will learn all of that and much more. I'm Marie Biancuto with Born to be Breastfed. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk 
with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894 and ask for your bulk discount. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here today with Dr. Pamela Douglas. We're talking about tongue ties. So then you've told us that you do agree that a baby with a classic tongue tie needs to be treated. But during the show, you have referred to phrenotomy, phrenectomy, and you've talked about a scissors uh, treatment as well as a laser treatment. Can you unpack all of that for us? Because I think that a lot of people don't really quite understand what these differences are. Sure, Marie. So uh, I guess I also need to state up front that I, on the whole, don't see a role for laser phrenotomy in our babies. It's it's possible that... um, uh, very rarely, and and most of us won't see this in our lifetime, uh, there are um, significant congenital abnormalities, a kind of severe ankyloglossia that uh, could benefit from laser treatment. I'd refer to an ENT surgeon mm. in that case. But uh, for most of our breastfeeding bubs, if there is a classic tongue tie that requires a phrenotomy, which is um, just... Um, a partial release of the frenulum, um, a simple scissors phrenotomy is all that's required. Um, 
I'm afraid I've seen some uh, terrible outcomes, actually, of uh, laser phrenotomy, uh, which arguably is is in technical terms a phrenectomy that uh, that that removes the frenulum under the tongue, um, right down to um, the fascia of the muscle, perhaps. So. Um, I have seen um, the underbelly of the tongue slightly separated. I've, I, I know in Australia um, that um, uh, senior dentists are concerned about um, rising rates of presentations in emergency departments post phrenotomy. Um, the, the laser certainly controls the bleeding, and we yes. have had. Um, uh, babies in Australia um, admitted for transfusion post oh, um, my word. scissors phrenotomy, oh, um, but laser word. controls the bleeding. Um, so from my point of view, actually, even though the laser um, phrenotomy or phrenectomy, from my point of view, um, the word phrenotomy is, is you know, a reasonable way of describing this. Um, but from my point of view, we don't need to be looking at laser um, in a classic tongue tie, a simple scissors um, snip is all that's required and um, the sooner the better, really. If, if there's any risk that that woman's nipples are going to be damaged, we just don't want her to get into that terrible spiral of, of um, nipple pain and damage um, that's so disruptive to, to breastfeeding. So is it reasonable to say, and I, I just, I don't, think I understand this exactly now that I hear you. Is it reasonable to say that the laser surgery will go deeper than the scissors? That's right, um, yes. for okay. sure. That's right. Okay. So you, that's right. Well, indeed, the scissors, um, if you've got an anterior membrane, then, then the scissors um, simply um, snip that. If we're really looking at cutting into what I would argue um, a normal anatomic variance of a lingual frenulum, um, mm. then then you know we need to. Um, uh, in that case, there's there's a risk of bleeding, and the laser certainly controls um, the bleeding. But but the question for me is why why we would do this um, really when in fact. If we start to look at different models of fit and hold, we've um, put a lot of work into the Gestalt breastfeeding. Um, it's 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 um, an approach to fit and hold that's now available actually um, online. Um, that's possumsonline.com um, for parents as well as um, with a health professional license. Um, we're looking there at what's actually required biomechanically to get that little one positionally stable and able to transfer the breast milk in a way that's pain-free and efficient. And I would argue that, that that's actually what needs to be our, our research focus. That's the way forward. And that the, the um, over-medicalisation, if you like, of oral connective tissues has been a, a response born of everyone's passion to support breastfeeding but sure, really perpetuates sure. the unnecessary medicalization and doesn't actually help us go forward um, you know it's 
as far as we can see, it's not improving breastfeeding rates, for instance. So um, would it be possible then that a baby was given laser surgery when in fact a, a scissors release might have done the job? For sure, for sure. Okay, so if this were your child, Pam, what sorts of questions would you be asking to the doctor or possibly the dentist or possibly the ears, nose, and throat specialist? What questions would you ask about the tool being used? Well, I'd have to go back to the diagnosis first up because okay. it seems to me that, that um, there's not a place for the diagnosis of a posterior tongue tie or indeed an upper lip tie and there's not a place for treatment with laser but but in fact we have to move into that space with something that's really going to help these families and so I would be um, really keen actually to see trials um, of our gestalt breastfeeding which which um, uh, we've started to evaluate but which really needs um you know, research money invested into it to, to formally evaluate. I would suggest that families even go online and have a look at the Gestalt Breastfeeding online program or that the health professionals they're dealing with um, perhaps have a look at some of our certification courses and and consider um, um, exploring what we're doing there um, because we find in our clinical work that we don't need to look at these diagnoses because we get such good outcomes with the Gestalt breastfeeding. Um, we have, you know, the lactation consultants um, who are working with me um, would say that it's just uh, really transformed their practice and that they get really good outcomes. Um, and Can this you? is because of the model, the underlying model of, of infant suck that it's built on, which is very different to the existing mm. models of infant suck. Can you articulate for us the sorts of negative effects that you have seen from the laser surgery? Well, the the most um, common um, negative effect is the the oral aversion, the the mm-hmm. worsened mm-hmm. dialing up at the breast. Um, so, I I would say, Marie, that there are a number of breastfeeding problems that are typically not not yet well dealt with. So one is, is um, you know, problems of fit and hold, of positional stability. Um, but then there's this, this issue of the little bubby with the conditioned dialing up at the breast. Mm-hmm. Um, things just haven't gone well with the breastfeeding one way or another. And for whatever reason, that, that little um, person comes to the breast and starts to dial up. I think of it as you know, in our work, we talk about the sympathetic nervous system dialing uh-huh. up, dialing down, yes. you know. And this is the little little one who um, has just developed this condition dialing up. It's terribly distressing to, to women. And uh, and so often, you know, perhaps there's, there's been fit and hold issues that haven't been able to be resolved. Little one starts a condition dialing up at the breast. Somebody looks in the bub's mouth and thinks, oh, well, Look at that that frenulum. Maybe that's a posterior tongue tie, or maybe it's, you know, an upper lip tie. Let's let's um, refer off for laser treatment, and um, then there's the wound stretching after the laser oh, treatment. Oh yes, yes, yes. Which mm-hmm. which has to happen multiple times a day for two or three weeks, and uh, and for certain little ones, um, actually, if they didn't have 
um, a condition dialing up um, prior. Um, they they certainly get you know a really nasty case of the oral aversion subsequently. Um, In our show with Dr. Larry Kotlow, he said that they must do the exercises after the laser surgery. Do you agree or disagree? Well, the premise is is just uh, without any evidence base, isn't it? You know, wounds want to close up. So if we, we have a cut, then the way um, these physiological mechanisms work, the the, the wound wants to close up. The idea that by stretching that wound open um, three or four or six times a day for two to three weeks is actually going to stop that wound healing um, in a natural way is really quite a, I mean, it's everyone says it, of course, but there's simply no evidence to support that that's, that's, that's going to have any um, long-term impact on how that wound heals. And, of course, um as, as a GP, I get to look in um, little ones' mouths way <laughs> down the, the track and yeah. I get to see lots of uh, thick white cords under the tongue from from that um, laser phrenotomy that they had way back. Um, so I'm, you know, I think it's, they're acknowledging, um, the providers are acknowledging that there's a risk that wounds want to heal in a way that closes the wound and scars absolutely the idea that stretching that wound um which frankly is at best uncomfortable and and for sure. some i would argue quite painful for the babies um okay so you know you to have, me it just doesn't make sense you have mentioned the oral aversion uh something which i find difficult to explain to people but it's basically yeah. that the baby is turned off by the idea of having anything in its mouth. And so would you say, we've only got a minute or so left here, but would you say that there are some babies who, after their phrenotomy or their phrenectomy, may actually have more problems breastfeeding? Do you think that's a possibility? I see it. It's uh-huh. It's very much the case. Okay. So, again, I think that Dr. Douglas would be eager to say that we need more research as to what constitutes normal, what is a variation of normal, what the definition is for these diagnoses uh, before we can really proceed with much certainty here. Uh, Folks, don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. And when we come back... Dr. Douglas and I are going to talk more about some commonly missed breastfeeding problems that, in fact, are sometimes attributed to a problem with a tongue tie, when in fact, there's something very different. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. 
what's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash good donor. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed. Today, we're talking about that very controversial topic of posterior tongue tie, upper lip tie, and the phrenotomies and phrenectomies that occur as a result of those diagnoses. Dr. Douglas, tell us this. Uh, Is it possible that, in fact, we label one of these kids with one of these uh, diagnoses, I guess, when in fact, maybe we're missing something more important. Can you speak to that? Yes, that's right. Um, and I suppose this just reflects the historical lack of um, investment, really, in the support mm. of breastfeeding 
women and their babies. Um, but I would argue the most commonly missed um, uh, underlying problem, and this is nobody's fault, it's just that we haven't yet got the, the tools, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, is, is, is that a fit and hold? And we talked a little bit about this earlier with that study that showed that the most commonly used, very commonly used approach um, actually worsens um, nipple pain. Um, so, so certainly positional instability, that little one just unable mm-hmm. to get really mm-hmm. stable at the breast so that they can draw up this wonderful mouthful of, of, of the breast tissue is a very big problem. And the, the approaches that we've got at the moment as health professionals, we know from the research, are just letting us down. And that's when health professionals are thinking, oh, well, look, maybe the, the phrenotomy is going to help. You know, sure. But in sure. fact, we've we've been stepping into this space with our Gestalt breastfeeding. So it's the fit and hold is one big thing, but also um, this other um, problem that we've been talking about. You were using the term oral aversion. I call it mm. that condition dialing up at the breast. Mm-hmm, big thing. Mm-hmm. The third thing that's often often missed is is a functional lactose overload. Nothing mm. wrong with a woman's breast milk, nothing wrong with the bubby's gut enzymes, but just not getting enough cream proportionately in the breast feeds over and a period of time. Excuse me, I just want yeah. to clarify for people that Dr. Douglas just said lactation overload. She did not say lactation uh, lactose intolerance, and those are two very, very different things. Yes. So uh, pardon me for interrupting, but... No, that's uh, important. Those, Thanks, sir. Those, those were... Uh, so I would agree with all those things. And if I hadn't interrupted, you might have talked about birth trauma. Uh, as, as a cause of unidentified breastfeeding problems. Um, look, our breastfeeding problems that we face arise out of a very complex sociocultural context, don't they? Mm, and yes, what, yes. Ha- you know, my grandmother had when she was born her life expectancy was not much over 40 because of oh. the ravages of childbearing for those ladies at the end wow. of the 19th century so we're wow. very very grateful for all the tech technology that supports birth it's a human right that some women actually don't have on the planet but i i frame it as we're still at the tail end of the century long revolution in the support mm. of mothers and babies and, in fact, the one area that we've still got to work on is how to support neurohormonal synchrony. How do we help mm. the mum mm. and bub get in sync? And breastfeeding support, of course, is very much at the heart of that. So um, so that's sort of my reflections. Birth trauma is certainly one factor that can put obstacles in the way of that breastfeeding relationship. But our job is to be able to offer tools for repair, isn't it? Mm, And that's where there hasn't been, historically, there hasn't been an investment um, in in research or health systems um, support for women and babies. Uh, One thing I was going to mention there too is is this whole... whole, um, funny little thing of the burping and this brings oh. us to the concept of the upper lip tie and and um, and the work that's been put out there lately proposing that um, um, upper lip tie is related to um, the swallowing of air. Uh, now again, you'll be 
you'd appreciate, Marie, that I'm I'm saying that these are very unhelpful, that there's no evidence base behind any of this, but but that actually clinically um, this concept of the baby swallowing air because of an upper lip tie or indeed a, a tongue tie can actually um, really interrupt breastfeeding for families. We know from our ultrasound studies that have looked in the stomachs of bubs and also from all the literature that I've been tracking in in you know, my research since the, the um, mid-1990s to do with, with reflux, that um, how babies aren't, you know, with breastfeeding problems, aren't swallowing more air. Um, there's not, um, you know, any um, aerophagia um, uh-huh. and that this is a misconception. The problem with burping behaviours is that it really disrupts that mum and bub getting in sync it means that it's disruptive of that lovely sleepiness that's induced at the end of a breastfeed mm, if breastfeeds mm. are working well and um, just layers in unnecessary worry for families. Uh, we haven't specifically said it yet, but, but I guess you know, the, the concept of the, the upper lip tie, given that our new model of infant suck shows so clearly that we don't need that, that upper lip to be phalanged in any way, um, this this concept of of um, the whole range of of um, labial frenula uh, that the frenulum under the lip being a lip tie is again just a distraction, but also means that our babies are having unnecessary surgery under the upper lip. Yeah, I agree. Um, that hurts. I, you know, I, you can't I say feel- it doesn't hurt. I feel really compelled here to emphasize what she has just said, which is I've had parents ask me about this upper lip tie. I look at it. I don't think it's a big deal. And what's more is when the baby gets on the breast, the baby is clearly transferring milk just fine, in which case then I am much less concerned about appearances and much more concerned that functionality in milk transfer is occurring. And she has not only seen that, but she has got the evidence behind that. And I absolutely agree agree. As for the burping, I'd just like to put in a word that you go and listen to my interview with pediatric gastroenterologist, Dr. Brian Vartabedian, because he basically said babies will burp when they want to burp, and that we're probably a little over-concerned about that. I think all of you probably know that this hour goes way, way, way too fast, uh, and I would like to, before we leave, uh, I would like to thank Dr. Pamela Douglas for being with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, look, it's a real pleasure, Marie. And can I have I got two secs just to say that in, in the book that I've written, the Discontented Little Baby book, we talk about burping and I completely agree. We actually don't need to worry about burping our babies. Yeah. So I'm with you on that. <laughs> well, that's very good. <laughs> yes. uh, finally, I'd like to thank all of you for coming to Born to be Breastfed and I'd like to invite you to come back next week. Uh Dr. Douglas will not be with us next week, but she will be with us again to talk about some of those things that she mentioned today, the gestalt, the fit and hold, and much more. Now, if you're interested in books or media that was mentioned on any of our shows, visit our our Amazon store, and that's at borntobebreastfed.com. Again, that's borntobebreastfed.com. And feel free to visit my Facebook page if you enjoyed this interview or others Please give us a thumbs up, 
alike while you're there. And uh, if you are a professional and you are looking for continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember, I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city. My courses and tons of resources and my blog and much more are at my professional website. And that is different. It's breastfeedingoutlook.com. Again, breastfeedingoutlook.com. I'm Marie Biancuto. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.